Welcome to episode 215 of the Fredcast Cycling Podcast. This show was recorded primarily during the week of September the 8th, 2014. My name is David, and I'm a Fred. This week's episode of the Fredcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll find a fantastic selection of complete bikes, components, accessories, apparel, nutrition, and more, all at phenomenal prices with unparalleled customer service. When you need anything for cycling, simply go to JensenUSA.com slash TheFredCast. And now also buy Lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com slash FredCast. Lynda.com will help anyone learn software, creative, and business skills to achieve personal and professional goals with their incredible library of classes and tutorials on a wide variety of subjects. Get a seven-day free trial simply by going to Lynda.com slash FredCast. Now, sit back, relax, and if you're riding your bike, hammer just a little bit harder because here comes... The Fredcast. Hey, fellow Freds, welcome back to another episode of the Fredcast. As always, it's great to be back with you. Got some great content for you today coming from my short visit to this year's Interbike Expo. I think you're going to enjoy it. Oh, and by the way, if you're interested in more content about Interbike, and Eurobike, go ahead and check out the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. We recorded one of those today, too. That's at www.the-spokesmen.com. Before we get started with this week's show, I always want to thank our longtime loyal and devoted sponsor, Jensen USA, at jensenusa.com slash thefredcast, the place where I've told you you can get an amazing selection of products for your cycling lifestyle at fantastic prices with literally un paralleled customer service. I had an opportunity to meet with the folks from Jensen USA at Interbike this year, and they have some great stuff coming your way. I'll talk about that in a little bit, but first, including, you know, I always talk to you about their amazing customer service, and one of the things that they told me that they're doing is they are constantly adding to the number of product specialists, uh, gear specialists that work for Jensen USA. As a matter of fact, they've had to add on to office space. I think they're renting office space down the road so that they have just plenty of knowledgeable cyclists there to answer your questions when you want to buy products. That just makes uh, for some unparalleled, unbelievable customer service. And you will find all of that at Jensen USA. I really want you to check them out. Once you check them out once, You'll be hooked just as I have been. It's jensenusa.com slash thefredcast or go to thefredcast.com and right there on the right-hand side of the page on that right column, there is always a new Jensen USA link. And plus, don't forget the Fredcast Picks of the Month where I go through and I pick from Jensen's selection some of the things that I find most interesting or some of the things that I have also bought. As always, we thank Jensen for their support and we thank you for supporting Jensen USA. Well, welcome into the show. And of course, lots to talk to you about today and all of it having to do with Interbike. Interbike is a huge show. There's a lot to see. And quite frankly, with the layout these days, I'm still finding my way after so many years at the Sands Expo uh, uh, Center, uh, now having moved to Mandalay Bay for two years, uh, it's still difficult sometimes to find my way through that. It's sort of a uh, uh, a unique and interesting layout, and it, it does make it difficult to find things sometimes. But what I've got for you today is a sampling 
of some of what you would have seen had you gone to Interbike. Now, before we get to that, you know, we talk a lot about Interbike and the fact that now they have added Consumer Day. Uh, it's the last day of the show for the last two years. Not that well attended, but I think it's getting better. But one of the things that so many of you tell me you really would like is not so much to do the indoor portion of the show, but that you'd really like to do the outdoor demo. Some people call it the dirt demo, but of course there's road bikes there as well. A lot of you say you really would like the chance to be able to ride next year's bikes outdoors to really get a feel for yourself. Well, I've got an opportunity for you. It's coming up uh, October 1st through 5th with Outdoor Demo Days, October 3rd through the 5th. And what you will be able to do, this is in Moab, Utah, and this is Outer Bike at www.outerbike.com. O-U-T-E-R-B-I-K-E.com. Using reading right from their website, this is a chance for you to test ride next year's bikes and gear on world class roads and trails in Moab, Utah. Now, that is absolutely true. The trails, I think you all know, in Moab are second to none on earth, and the roads, unbelievable. Great roads, relatively uncrowded, and two national parks and a national monument right there. It is. It's Canyonlands National Park and Arches National Park, beautiful scenery and a great place to ride. You should check it out at OuterBike.com. Unfortunately, I will be out of town, but for you, it might be a great opportunity to go in there and check it out. Plus, on the the two days before the outdoor demo, October 1st through 2nd, they'll have guided rides and clinics. So you'll get the opportunity to learn about uh, the local area, great places to ride, and you'll get clinics to make yourself a better rider as well. I think that you will really find it very enjoyable. Oh, and by the way, a little secret for you from my friends at Jensen USA. They told me that they're going to go there featuring, get this, Orbea bicycles. Uh, That's really cool. So go ahead and check it out. There's lots of sponsors, lots of of brands uh, 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 planning to be there, including Continental, SRAM, Zoic, Diamondback, Ellsworth, Envy, Giant, GT, Ibis, Intense, Juliana, Marin, Niner, Pivot, Salsa, Santa Cruz, Scott, the the list goes on and on. I think it's going to be a great event and something you should check it out. And that's why I'm telling you about it here. It's Outer Bike at OuterBike.com. Go ahead and check them out. All right, so that'll give you an opportunity perhaps to have your own kind of interbike experience. But now let's talk about interbike. It just concluded uh, last week in Las Vegas, Nevada. Lots happened there. And again, I'd encourage you to check out the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. We talked uh, quite in depth about interbike and some of the happenings there. But what I did was I realized this is a humongous show. And what I want to be able to do is to give you a taste of what's happening there and what you can expect from the bicycle industry over the next year or so. So what I did was I went around and I just did um, uh, what what I will call sort of a taste of Interbike to give you an idea of what's there. So first of all, uh, several things that I noticed this year, some trends for you. Uh, First of all, oh my goodness, just like Outdoor Demo, just an overabundance of mobile phone cases and mounts for your bikes and batteries and things, uh, uh, accessories for your mobile phones. That was number one, the first thing I saw. And no, I'm not bringing you any of that because we've brought you that before and I think you have a good idea of what's out there. It's it's kind of a maturing market and really only a market where, where you see a lot of 
heavy innovation when there's a, oh, I don't know, a new model of phone that comes out. Otherwise, uh, I, I think it's it's become a pretty mature market. The other thing that I found very interesting was, and the timing was very bad on this, I think, uh, a number of fitness watches or wearables out there, um, heart rate watches and things like that. And unfortunately, uh, Apple uh, made their announce of the Apple, uh, excuse me, their announcement of the Apple Watch, and I think that that uh, was was not a great thing for a lot of these companies. And unfortunately, I heard too many uh, whispered comments uh, about the fact that those folks were there and how unfortunate it is that Apple has just, uh, for a lot of them, uh, taken away their business model, which is 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 a bit unfortunate. On the bikes, I think there's a lot of maturation in the market. We talked about this on the spokesman today. I think that Tim Jackson said there's a lot of duplication as opposed to innovation. Uh, Last year, I remember saying that we saw a lot of evolution instead of revolution. And I think that that trend continues uh, at at Interbike this year. However, a couple of bright spots and things that I want to bring to you. First of all, there is a portion of the show that I believe, well, I think that it gets a bit uh, of short shrift. And the reason for that is it's it's not on the main show floor. It's downstairs. It's a little bit hard to find. And it's the area of the show that when we do our live uh, uh, videos, we usually call it Tiny Town. It's, it's the area of the show where all of the innovators, the up-and-coming companies, the companies that are just getting into the industry, uh, it's, it's where they are all located. And they hope that next year, Their business will have grown enough uh, that they'll be able to be upstairs uh, with all of the mature companies and trying to to show their wares there. But in the meantime, they're downstairs. And unfortunately, uh, I think a lot of people miss that portion of the show, and it really is too bad. So what I did was I walked around. I found somebody that I thought had a really interesting, innovative product as an example of some of these folks that are in that area of the show. I think that you'll find it interesting. This is my interview with the folks from Nicola. As cyclists, whenever we ride, uh, especially as high-end roadies, one of the things that we look for is to increase power, increase speed, and yeah, even increase comfort. And I'm talking to Nick, he's from Nicola, and he thinks he's got the solution to all of those problems. Welcome to the Fredcast. Thank you, thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about your product. So I came up with the idea when I was many, many years ago racing as an amateur, and I was also rollerblading and speed skating as a just fun activity. And I recognized my legs felt differently after both sport. And when I was speed skating and roller skating, I felt my my inner thighs and my hamstrings felt differently. And I thought, gee, that's interesting. Why don't those feel the same pain when I cycle? So I theorized, was there a way to pull in those muscles and get more output out of your bike by doing so? So I'm a tinker. I, I, would, I was the guy that took apart my watches as a kid. I was the guy that would doodle with art and just try to come up with different designs. And I, I was bending twisty ties from a bread wrapper and trying to simulate this pedal that skated. Came up with an idea. We had a prototype built, and essentially what the pedal does, it, it, it skates. So not only is it going a 360-degree direction, it moves laterally about an inch. So imagine if you're in a 12 o'clock position, your right foot is in the pedal, and it's in the 12 o'clock position, and as you pedal forward, the pedal slowly starts to move outward laterally till you reach the 6 o'clock position, and at the bottom of your crank position, 
the pedal is all the way out, away from the bike frame. And then as your foot starts coming back up, back up to 12 club position, the, the pedal comes back in to the closest part of the frame. That motion simulates that of a skater while you're still pedaling. Doing that, you then start uh, advancing a little bit more of your adductor muscles and your glutes and, the, and you're getting more output. We did a clinical trial and found most people showed an improvement in this performance. But the common thing we're seeing is people are coming back saying, my knees don't hurt anymore, my hips don't hurt anymore. And it's funny that you're going after a performance product. We do feel we have that, but we're finding more common uh, that we're folks saying that their body feels much better after riding the pedal. So we're really pleased that we're getting such great feedback. We're here at the booth here. We love, we've had probably 75 people ride the pedal. And I think if I only had 73 of them, phenomenal feedback and two people are like well it's interesting you know yeah but we we feel really good about the feedback we've got and it's it's actually a lot of fun to ride you know it's it's fun and we're trying to get people more people on bikes um our first version is a three hole style um like a look style pedal uh, it'll fit uh, uh you know the three hole cleat we're also looking at an spd version we've got an early prototype of that as well and we're contemplating doing a platform style pedal. We have the spinning industry look at this, and we've got this in one spinning class, and the feedback's been really great that we're, we're seeing folks saying we like to have the spinning, and, and if you think about the spinning industry, um, this current pedal moves an inch out. With a spinning stationary bike, we can move out two, three inches and really, really activate that at the, the inner thigh and get some more workout. So it's again, we, I was in the a bicyclist, and now I find myself talking to the spinning industry, you're talking to physical therapy, we're talking to triathletes and cyclists, so it's really blossomed uh, beyond what I thought it would at this point. So one of the people that was, the, 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 one of those 75 people that rode your bike, Gary Fisher was just here. Gary Fisher, so quick story about that, that first prototype I mentioned, uh, 19 years ago, believe it or not, 19 years ago, and I joke, I met my wife 17 years ago, three kids later, so the idea sat for about 12 years, and five years ago, we said, you know what, Let, it was sitting on the coffee table, this big hunk of metal platform, and my wife said, get that pedal out of here, I'm throwing it, I'm like, no, no, honey, it's out of sight, out of mind, I'll do nothing with it, so she kind of forced me to get this pedal to do something with it, so that's when I started refining the prototype, but anyway, the Gary Fisher story, that first platform pedal I put on in my Gary Fisher mountain bike, and I probably logged 3,000 miles on this thing. It was fun. It's fun, and I still have it. I call it the boat anchor. I think that one pedal weighs two pounds. <laughs> so I think for a lot of people, and I know that when I first heard of your product, I was skeptical, and I thought, I'm not a skater. I'm a cyclist. Uh, I think a lot of people probably think, wow, that's really going to feel different when I'm on my bike. When somebody gets out there on the road, what, what would they expect to feel? The, the, I, the word of the, the 75 cyclists, 90% said it felt natural, and that's what we want. I wanted it to be intuitive to ride. I didn't want you to have to relearn how to ride a bike. It is so subtle. Um, it, it's really how your body's set up to ride. So it, it, there is no learning curve. It really is. Uh, the few people that made maybe a, an ambivalent comment were more of just accustomed to riding a certain way. But when you ride it, we really like for people to stop down here and take a ride. I mean, my words don't do it justice. Really let the pedal sell itself and, and show you the benefit. But it's a natural way to ride. 
And I, I think the majority of my listeners can relate to, oh, I've got ankle pain, hip pain, knee pain, whatever those pains are. And so being able to address that is really great. What about those performance benefits? Can you quantify those? We can. Uh, as we mentioned, this clinical trial, we had people ride a standard pedal, and we had them ride a, our prototype pedal, and we randomized them. So when you came in for your test, you didn't know what pedal you're riding. And, and in between tests, we had a required three-day rest. So and we wanted you to try to simulate. So it was a very controlled lab environment. And majority of the men showed improvement, and, and that's what we're looking at. The women, we, they didn't show the same improvement, and we, we have a pretty good understanding why. We look at their Q factor, their hip structure. But what we changed since then is the variability of the, of the pedal, meaning I can now adjust where the clock of that, where the pedal goes in and out with our two-piece spindle. So I could dial in the pedal to what you're comfortable with and any other rider. So that, the data we have supports, um, you know, stronger riders tend to do better. Um, you know, the analogy I use, if I'm a golfer as well. You know, if I used, um, let's see, Bubba Watson's driver, I'd probably get a little bit more drive out of it. But my wife used it it wouldn't have done anything for her. So I think the same thing happens to the pedal. The stronger riders to get a little bit more better power and performance um, than others. So let me ask you another question, something we didn't discuss previously, so I hope I'm not gonna throw you with this. As a longtime cyclist, you may remember Shimano BioPace. You may be familiar with rotor cranks. And it's a similar kind of a thought. What makes your pedal um, uh, more advantageous than those systems? You know, in all fairness, I've not ridden those systems and don't want to do a disservice to those brands. They're great ideas. Here's my thought. I've read about them. What I think they've done, my understanding is they've eliminated the dead spots in the stroke cycling. What I feel like we're doing is a, the balance that we're elongating the power spots by stretching out that power area. And that was my thought is pulling more muscles, pulling that adductor muscle will stretch out that your power. So someone just asked me earlier today, have you tried them both? I'm like, no, it'd be kind of interesting. They're pulling out the dead spots. We're increasing the power spots. Maybe a good combination. So I may have to go walk over to their booth and, and uh, show them a set of pedals, see if we can get a test ride. Now, brand new product. Um, are these available? And if so, where? And what kind of price point can people expect? We launched yesterday. We, we did a, uh, a pre-production run of 220 sets of pedals, and that was purely for market evaluation, testing. Um, we've we have a partnership with manufacturers we're ready to deliver in about 75 days. And price point, we're gonna have two uh, variations. We're gonna have a, a stainless steel uh, spindle and we're looking at doing a magnesium body. Right now, the prototypes we have here today are aluminum CNC. They're a little heavier than we like. They're about 400 grams. Uh, our production one, we're looking to get them down to 300 grams. Titanium is gonna be $549. And we're shooting to get about a 220 gram per set for that titanium version with the magnesium body. So we're working through the details of that. We're kind of gathering feedback from dealers and customers. What, what, what are they looking for? You know, how many stainless steel, does that magnesium make sense? You know, our value proposition is, is uh, performance and comfort. Um, we recognize that weight is important, force equals mass times acceleration. We're aware of that. However, you know, the, the performance and the comfort and the benefit you're getting from the pedal far outweighs the few extra grams the, the current pedal holds. So, uh, you know, future versions will look to take some more weight out. You know, one thing I mentioned to someone yesterday, 
Uh, there's a test jig that we're in our booth here that, that we've put a lot of time and effort into. And the specific pedal that's on there now has got 55 million revolutions on it. One can argue that you've over-engineered it. But you know, I wanted to build a really strong product. Being a first time in this year, I didn't want a product that would fail because of just poor quality. So we put a lot of time and thought into quality, a sturdy product, um, and, and it, it still has um, a great performance, even though the weight is not exactly where we want yet, but we're, we feel really good about our production run. So right before Christmas uh, holidays that we'll be ready for uh, delivery. Now, one of the things that uh, a lot of times people get concerned about with a new company and innovative technology is um, stability, longevity. You were telling me earlier, sort of a, the Shark Tank kind of story about the confidence that people have in what you're doing. Tell everybody about that. Sure. I'm part of an incubator in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, the Edison Incubator, and there's a group of entrepreneurs. Uh, there is a company that produces whiskey and, and does it in a two-day fermentation process. There's a company that, uh, Bioelectrics, that that removes periodontal diseases with a mouth guard piece, it's got a small charge. There's a company producing power pedals such as me in this incubator. And when you're a group of entrepreneurs, you have common needs, common issues, even though we're in separate markets. So this incubator has been a valuable resource for me. Um, I've also been a beneficiary of winning four grants from the state of Ohio, uh, city of Cleveland, a uh, little over $300,000 in grants that funded the idea, funded the engineering. And we've recently closed on outside investors as well when they saw the product and idea. So the company's been very, very blessed and fortunate to have such great support. But when I show folks the pedal, they instantly get it. Yeah, it's fairly intuitive. When you see it, it's like, yeah, I get what you're trying to do here. So it's uh, been well positioned, hopefully, for long-term success. Tell me about the name. Obviously, your first name. What's the Ola part? Uh, so Nikola is my first legal name. It was a play off of Nikola Tesla. I'm Serbian. Nikola Tesla was Serbian. He was born in a village not far from where my parents were born. Partially influenced how I was named from them. So, and I'm not a me person. I, that was the one thing I didn't want. But the marketing folks, my wife said, you got to put your name on it. It works. Uh, you know, the original company name was Motion Resolution, and that was a mouthful. And I'm thinking of uh, the folks in Germany or Asia. I have a hard time pronouncing it. I wanted a universal name, a short name. It's timeless. It's gender neutral. It, it, it's got a presence to it. And then we've also named that loud emotion Zivo, Z-I-V-O. And there's a story behind that as well. Uh, I wanted to brand that separately because we could put this ladder motion on many platforms. And we were going to name it Helix. If I showed you that spindle, it looks like a Helix. Well, that's been trademarked a couple times in the industry. So attorney said, can't touch Helix. And my mentor said, well, why did you pick Helix? And I go, it looks like that. And like, what else does it look like? I said, it looks kind of like the letter Z if I showed you that. I said, what else is Z? What else is the Z of the puddle? I'm like, well... Jivo means alive in Serbian, and it's the life of the puddle, makes the puddle alive. So it's funny, it just, I can't make this stuff up. The story just kind of unfolded itself, and uh, it, it fell this way. We really started putting the marketing effort a month ago. So I had a great firm that I partnered with back in Cleveland, Boondock Walker. They did a great job with packaging and branding and making me think differently. And I partnered with a, a PR firm, Kim Merrill. He's done a fantastic job of working with us. So, you know, this journey has brought me so many great contacts, you know, and, and uh, really it's been, that's been fun by itself. And I didn't think, when I started this 19 years ago, I thought, I just want to see one person ride this pedal. 
I'm here at Interbike, you know, and like, holy moly, we've had so much interest. We've had such great feedback on it. It's been an absolutely amazing journey. It's fun. I like watching your face light up as you talk about that. Tell people where they can get more information. Uh, please go to www.nicolainnovation.com. We're also on Facebook. We're also on Twitter. So please do check us out. And that's N-I-K-O-L-A. Thank you, Nick. It's great to meet you. Good luck with your pedal. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. An interesting product, one that I'm hoping I'll have the opportunity to test out. Uh, it was a little bit tough uh, in the booth uh, in my street shoes to, to test it out. I did, obviously, I didn't have uh, look cleats on the bottom of my street shoes, but uh, really, really interesting. And uh, I want to thank the folks from Nikola Innovation for uh, representing the lab, which is sort of that new innovation area at Interbike each year. It was great to see that. And I'll, I'll let you know if I get the opportunity to test it and what I thought of the pedal. Next up, representing another category of uh, several products that I saw at this year's Interbike. I'm calling this the crowdfunders. The last ones, those were the innovators. These are the crowdfunders. Now, what am I talking about with crowdfunders? Uh, so these are the people who have a great idea for a product, uh, but decide that they're going to put it on Kickstarter or GoFundMe or one of these crowdfunding websites where you go on and you say, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I'll give you a couple of bucks and hopefully I will get to see your products. Now, again, I hate to keep referring to the spokesman. We, we've talked about this on the spokesman before. Uh, I remember when uh, Carlton and Byron were here in Park City for press camp this year, and we had the opportunity to talk about this, and we talked about Kickstarter fatigue because we were always getting press releases from companies saying, hey, I've got this great idea. I'm putting it on Kickstarter. Please tell your listeners and your readers about my product and my Kickstarter campaign, and hopefully we'll make this work. But the problem is, if any of you have ever donated to Kickstarter and crowdfunding campaigns in the past. Unfortunately, they don't always come to fruition, and unfortunately, you can be out your money. So I went over and I had a conversation with the guys from Fix-It Sticks. I remember getting their Kickstarter campaign releases in my email, um, and now it's great to see that not only have they had two successful Kickstarter campaigns, but that their products are indeed on the market and in people's seat bags and in their toolboxes. And I think that that's really great. Now, another uh, uh, Kickstarter project that I saw at the show is the Fly 6 uh, video camera and taillight. You remember uh, that combination that really hit social media uh, like a freight train uh, a few months ago. It is in production, very successful. It looks like a really great product. So um, several Kickstarter crowdfunding kind of projects, and I chose Fix-It Sticks to represent them from this year's Interbike. Last year, the award for the smallest booth at Interbike went to my next guest. This is Brian. He's from Fix-It Sticks. Brian, tell me briefly, describe your product. So Fix-It Sticks is a new take on a multi-tool. Rather than having a pivot in the tool that always gets loose, Fix-It Sticks are two separate items that snap together, and they form a T-shape, and you can get all your torque and leverage from the T-shape rather than uh, having all the pivot points of a traditional multi-tool. And they pack up much smaller and fit in some odd places. So, yeah, lightweight and more versatile. And So one of the problems that I've seen with multi-tools, well, a couple of problems. Number one, big, bulky, 
heavy, right? that was more than one, uh, and the fact that when I go to put them into a bag, uh, sometimes there's not a lot of room for them, and you've solved that with, with these, haven't you? Yeah, the, the modular design of Fix-It Sticks just uh, allow you to be able to poke them into your, your saddlebag in, in uh, any different kind of configuration, so it just makes it much easier. I had the same problem in my kit, too. You just couldn't, couldn't stuff everything in there, but you don't want a huge saddlebag, so it, it's a it's a conundrum. <laughs> what was the genesis of the idea? So it it hit me one day as uh, my I had a problem when I was actually on a trainer in the wintertime and I used a three way wrench to fix it and just by instinct put my uh, three way tried to put it in my back of my jersey pocket which it didn't fit. So that frustrated me and uh, I figured out a way and to not be frustrated. So I quick drew the design and, and it is pretty much how it is today. Is kind of how that first little thought was in my head. So background in tooling, machine shops, things like that. What is your background? No, I was, uh, I worked for FedEx full-time as a salesperson, so I had no, I'm not known as a handy person, uh, but uh, the, over time I got better at it now, but, um, but yeah, no, no design, no manufacturing experience, just came up with it and off I went. In Fix-It Sticks, what are my options? What kind of tools come with Fix-It Sticks? Yeah, great question. So we have three different versions available right now. We have the original version, which is a lightweight aluminum body, uh, and those come in right around 55 grams. And then we have, uh, and those come with four bits that don't come out. And then we have the replaceable steel version, which is coming in about 100 grams, and that comes with eight bits total, which operates pretty much everything on a bike from start to finish. And then we also just came out with the T-Way wrench, which is essentially a fixed stick shape uh, put together permanently in the T and all those bits come out as well. So we've got you on uh, the weight weenies covered, we've got the always prepared guy covered, and we've got the shop guy covered. Got it. Uh, and so in the four bits and the eight bits, wh what kind of bits are we looking at? Uh, so on the aluminum version, we have seven or eight different sets, we call them. So you can, and you can customize a set too. So if you have certain four bits that you know operates your bike, uh, you can order those from us, but we have like, for instance, a, a SRAM inspired set, I call it. So that's a two and a half, four, five, and a T25. And it pretty much runs the show for SRAM kit from start to finish. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a good mix and still lightweight. And again, unlike conventional multi-tools, the fact that I can customize it to my particular setup, that's huge. Your customers must really like that. Yeah, people re really enjoy that part. And even on the replaceable bit, it just opens up the flexibility and any hardware store is gonna have the bits that you need to be able to work with it. So even if you take this tool and you wanna go snowboarding or ATV, hunting, any other types of sports, all you need to do is grab different bits and off you go. Now, um, we were talking earlier about Kickstarter and the fact that you did a couple of Kickstarters. Tell us about that and how it went because some people are a little gun shy when it comes to that these days. Yeah, I don't blame them. I, I back some Kickstarters too and I'm still waiting for a lot of things, but uh, I've done two Kickstarters, both of which were delivered on time and we blew through our budget and uh, or blew through our uh, goal. So uh, Kickstarter is an interesting place. So uh, the first time I did a Kickstarter, it was a little, I, I didn't have the product as far as long as I probably should have. And then the second time I learned my lesson and I had the product very deep in development and ready to go. So I knew that I'd deliver on time. Uh, I just needed to make sure people wanted to buy it. And so Kickstarter is uh, it's a great place, but I think a lot of people just have a fundamental misunderstanding of how hard it is to make something, and they have vastly underestimate how long it takes to get that done properly, and that's that's where you get so much bad press on Kickstarter, but I had had a great experience with Kickstarter, and it's been critical for my... I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Kickstarter, for sure. What's next? Oh, we're working on some really fun stuff, so not, not everything is uh, tool-related. There's just more Brian... 
gets frustrated, comes up with an idea kind of stuff and not necessarily related to tools, but we, uh, we're working on a chain breaker that's going to fit within our ecosystem of, of Fix-It Sticks, so I'm excited about that one, and uh, we're working on just sort of putting things together in a more presentable package that answers what you need. You know, flats are you're probably your most common repair and then some, you know, loose bits, so that, that's kind of the direction we're going to go is to just be able to handle 80% of everything with simplicity and an easy to use design, so. Probably the next two questions on everybody's mind, how much and where? Right, great, so um, the original versions are still available, those are $29.99, and uh, the, those are the aluminum ones, and then the replaceable versions made of steel are $35.99, that comes with the uh, eight bits total, and then the T-Wrench comes with seven bits total, and that one is $29.99, and uh, availability is, uh, we're, we have, pretty wide distribution, so pretty much any shop should be able to order them, uh, or you can order them from our website, fixitsticks.com. So, yeah. Excellent, Brian. Thanks so much for inventing it, and thanks for being on the Fredcast. Hey, thanks for stopping by. Great to talk to you. All right, so far for this year's Interbike, I've brought you the innovators, and I've brought you the crowdfunders. I've got a new segment for you. These are the emergency IDs. Now, many of you are familiar with what uh, could have been one of the first uh, wrist-based emergency IDs on the market. That's road ID. Um, it's an engraved ID, and it goes on your wrist or on your ankle or on your shoe, and it tells emergency responders a, a little bit about who you are and who to contact and if you have any allergies and, and medical conditions and things like that. Well, since then, uh, as you walk the aisles of Interbike, you find uh, uh, booth after booth after booth of different companies all trying their different twist on the wrist-based emergency ID. Uh, there are ones that use QR codes. There are ones that uh, are also engraved. Uh, and then there was this one. This is Epic ID. I really thought this was a compelling and interesting idea uh, because it provides emergency responders with all of the information and data you want them to have, but in a way that they should be able to easily access even when they don't have internet access or uh, even if they don't have cell phone coverage. And for some of us, in some of the locations we ride, that's pretty darn important. So representing the emergency IDs, here is Epic ID. Walking through the show today, I see a lot of people wearing some brightly colored and, and some muted colored bracelets, and I tracked them down finally to the Epic ID booth. I'm here talking to Lee. Lee, tell everybody what Epic ID is. Hi, David. Yeah, um, what we've done here is come up with the next generation of an emergency ID. So it's USB-based, and it's very, very simple. It um, has really gone above and beyond the five lines of engraved text and given the user an opportunity to include as much information or as little, you know, whatever you, they would want to communicate to an EMT, police, fire, doctor in the case of a critical situation. So since we're audio, describe if you can what an Epic ID looks like. Right. It's actually very attractive looking. We get a lot of compliments on the aesthetic and uh, put a lot of love into the design. But the uh, materials are a hypoallergenic silicone band that comes in red, black, or white to start, and then a very nice stainless steel closure that protects the USB, because we realize people will be rock climbing, mountain biking, road riding, and that it needs to be very durable. 
Now by durable, so for instance, I'm wearing, I guess what you would cause, call a cause band, and I've been wearing this for, and I shower with it and, and swim with it and things like that. Because it's USB, we're talking about an electronic item. Can I shower with it, swim with it, et cetera? Not only can you shower with it, wash your hands with it on, you can, uh, you can do triathlons, you can just swim, it, you know, swim in it. Um, so it's not just okay to wear in the water, but salt water as well. And you know that the flash drive is all contained, so there are no batteries, there's no charger, no Wi-Fi, no passwords, no Bluetooth, nothing to have to remember except to put it on your wrist. Now, what makes this more um, what makes this a, a better way to go for an emergency ID than, as you said, the lines of engraved text, the QR codes, things like that? Right. The simplicity. Because if an EMT is trying to take care of you, they don't have time to get online. They don't have time, or they really shouldn't be calling up and trying to get a cell connection. They should, first and foremost, be taking care of you. And so it's very important that the information that you include on this bracelet gets transmitted in a, a very easy, straightforward fashion. So all first responders that are professional first responders, that being EMT, police, fire, et cetera, they have onboard computers that have a USB portal. And so they just put it in there, open the file. And one of the things I like best about our Epic ID proprietary software is all the forms, there's nothing to download. You literally put it in the computer, fill out your forms, press the save button, it's in there. And on the top, we call it the header. That's where you put your most relevant, timely information. For instance, my Epic ID right now says, in Las Vegas until the 15th, contact Dave Bernstein in case of an emergency. And so you would be my advocate in the ER versus my uh, daughter who's you know in California. It's not very practical. So for anybody who travels a lot, for anybody who does solo adventure type of sports, and let's face it, I've been in many group rides where if I went down, they may know my name and my phone number, but little else. And I hate to say it, but cell phones, they're not entirely reliable, and even my best friends don't call me back right away. So other than the header, what other kinds of information can you put into this file? Right, so we have made the, f the fields, open fields, so that if you actually, you know, so it's all the typical information that one would expect to find. We go a little bit further in giving you a place to put your family history, which is kind of cool. If you were in um, cardiac arrest, something like that, uh, one of the things they could do is look to family history and see that you have uh, a sibling, a grandfather, a mother, a father, all who have heart conditions, uh, serious heart conditions. And so it's a very w quick way to be able to get a view on uh, what types of things you might have going on. Since now, the file, from, from sort of a nerdy standpoint, um, because, you know, there's, there's Linux computers and Mac computers and PC computers. What kind of a file is this? Right. So it's as simple as as long as you're running um, Windows or um, a uh, Mac, it's, you know, it won't work on a Chromebook or an iPad, anything like that. As long as it's a computer, you're good to go. And like I said, there's no downloading a software. Um, so it's, it's very straightforward in that respect. Great. Tell me about the genesis. What was the idea for putting this together? Well, you know, I've had, um, CycleAware has been my business for 23 years, and it's always been focused on safety, but exclusively to the cycling market. And uh, one of my designers way back in the early days, we came up with a product called Sport ID. And this was long before Jiro had even included, you know, a little sticker inside the helmet. 
And back in the day, we took it to stores and they said, oh my gosh, that's an excellent idea, but it's too negative. We don't want people to think cycling is dangerous. So that's how I'm dating myself now, right? So, uh, so 23 years later, um, so this has been brewing a long time, let's put it that way. And it, I have a peanut allergy, which doesn't sound very severe, but I can go, to, go into anaphylactic shock. And so if someone were to find me um, and they, they were able to call 911, the EMT would see that I have an EpiPen and be able to take care of me right away. And that's one of the things that we're really trying to educate the um, our, our market with is the fact that there is a certain evolution of an accident. And so, because sometimes people see the USB and they're saying, well, come on, what's the chance that the person who finds me is going to have a computer? But really, that first responder, a good Samaritan, really should only be dialing 911 and seeing if there's any maybe critical care in terms of bleeding that they can help with, but they shouldn't be moving you, anything like that. It's that professional who would be accessing this information, not someone that just comes to find you. So that's, that's an important thing to keep in mind. Okay, what about, so, so sorry, just the geek in me is wondering, can I also put other stuff? Can I put pictures and things like that on it? You can only put a picture of yourself. We understand that people are tempted to want to save their PowerPoint presentation, no, no, no. Not only that, but you can't save it to your desktop. So if you need to borrow your buddy's computer to update your header of where you are, you can't inadvertently save all your medical information to his computer. We're very adamant about making sure that this stays on the flash drive and people can view it that should view it, but nobody else, yeah. Okay, how much and where can I get one? Right, so it lists for just $35. We were really, um, quite uh, determined to make this an accessible product that can reach a, a large market because we feel that it's such an, an important practical product. Um, so yeah, it lists for 35 and then the map on it, minimum advertised price is 30. Now, this may be obvious, but I wanna ask anyway, because a lot of the other IDs that are out there that are more than just five lines of text, yeah. there's a subscription fee. Right. Is there, and again, it may be obvious, but yeah. you can tell us, is there a, a subscription fee or is the 35 bucks, that's it? Yeah, and that's another thing. We, we're, because it's a flash drive, it's all self-contained. You own this and you don't ever have to talk to us after you buy it. If you like to, you can go online and see what's new, but uh, you won't be getting weekly uh, updates. And you know, it's, it's very, very straightforward in that respect. And uh, again, the simplicity goes with safety. Where can I get more information? Where can people go to get one? Right, so epicid.com has all the information. You can uh, contact Prolific Design Group, uh, the parent company of Epic ID, directly, and 800-252-2927. Uh, but yeah, check us out at epicid.com. There's a uh, customer service partnership page, which is great because you can have an opportunity to tell us not just about, you know, that you want to be a dealer, but tell us a little about your store, what you're looking for. Uh, we have a beautiful point of purchase that holds 18 units, six of each color. We have a show special. It's only $270 out to the dealer. So it's, we've made it really simple. Dumb, dumb, simple, stupid. <laughs> Lee, thank you. It's a great idea, a great product. And, you know, for a geek like me, having that USB, I don't know, it's kind of cool. I like it. And knowing, for instance, last weekend, I was mountain biking in the backcountry. And if, a prof if I had had an accident and a professional responder had come upon me, there was no internet access there. Right. So knowing that they could just pop that USB in is really cool. Thanks for joining us on the Fredcast. David, it's been fun. Thanks.
All right, so we've so far brought you the innovators, we've brought you the crowdfunders, we've brought you the emergency IDs. Next up, another category which really has seen a huge proliferation of products is the power meters. We've gone beyond hub-based and crank-based power meters to pedal-based and algorithm-based and everything in between. And now we seem to be going into wearables themselves. I had the opportunity to stop by, again, a very small booth, but one which I have a feeling will be much bigger next year. This is the Brim Brothers Brute. That's hard to say. The Brim Brothers Booth, and their product is Zone DPMX. I think you're going to find this very interesting. Here is my interview with Brim Brothers about their Zone Power Meter. Anyone who's listened to the Fredcast for any length of time knows that I'm kind of a geek when it comes to power measuring devices, and I've tried many, many of them. And when I got the press release from Brim Brothers. I knew I wanted to stop by their booth here at Interbike. I'm talking to Barry Redmond. He's the CEO of Brim Brothers. Describe how you are measuring power. We measure it in the shoe. It's a wearable power meter. It's the world's first wearable power meter, as you can see on the sign there behind you. And um, we've got four sensors that go in the cleat under the shoe. Um, motion sensors that go in a little pod on top. One in each shoe, they talk to each other, and they report it over Ant Plus to a display on, the, on your handlebars or to a smartphone, whatever you've got that will receive an Ant Plus uh, power signal. Now, uh, uh, let's go back over a couple of those things, a little bit more detail. Let's talk about what's in the cleat area itself. And you were talking a little bit before about piezoelectric devices, and why don't you describe that for me? Uh, without getting too technical, we've got, we've got um, a piece of, our own piezo-ceramic sensors here. These are not strain gauges, these are our own proprietary sensors that we've developed and we had to develop our own because the space available in a cleat is tiny and we just a few millimeters thick, just fractions of an inch. Uh, and none of the existing technology that we could find would fit in this space and give us the robustness, the accuracy and all of the things that we require for this. So we developed our own sensors for this. And obviously without, without affecting stack height uh, for the user. Absolutely, absolutely, because what our, our, our plate does, our plate replaces uh, in a speed play zero pedal, which is the, what our first one is, uh, our first version is for, um, our uh, speed play zero cleat. The, uh, we, our sensor plate replaces the plastic base plate, the adapter plate that goes there. So we wanted to stay very, very close to the same stack height. Uh, we had to go up a half a millimeter or so over that to get the strength that we needed, but we, we're pretty, pretty close. So from that plate, you've got a small uh, cable, if you will, that then goes to something on top of the shoe. What's, what's in there? On top of the shoe, you've got the pod. The pod is the brains of the operation. And again, there's one in each shoe. So this pod receives the signals from the force sensor underneath. It's got its own motion sensors, so it's measuring everything that you're doing on the pedal. Uh, there's accelerometers and gyroscopes and other things in there. And it, this system, over 100 times per second, measures the angle of the crank, the angle of your pedal at the end of the crank, and exactly how fast everything is moving. So 100 times a second, it knows exactly where everything is. It knows how hard you're pressing on the pedal. And from that, it can work out exactly what you're doing on the crank and which, how much of what you're pressing down with on the pedal is actually contributing to driving the crank forwards. So from that, you're getting a power reading. We get a power reading. You're also getting cadence, and you're also, because 
of the fact that they're in both shoes, you're now able to make sure that your pedal stroke is equal right to left. Yeah, we've got the, the left-right balance, which is a, a standard amp plus transmission, and you can display that on any of the, the uh, common displays that you use. The Garmin Edge series, for example, will all display this left-right balance. So it's significant to say you don't need a special head unit, you can use any head unit. Anything, anything. And there are a number of smartphones that will receive uh, Ant Plus as well, so you can use those to display it. You can even do it on an iPhone with a little attachment that you can get from various suppliers. Um, and the, the, the big thing about this, of course, is that it's wearable. You only have one, no matter how many bikes you got. That's where I was going. My next question to you was going to be, uh, there's pedal-based, there's crank-based, there's wheel-based. Why shoe-based? Because it's wearable, of course. That's the answer, isn't it? Because... Uh, this, and this is where, where this all came from, because I, I, I got into this because I was out on a bike ride, looking around the early days of power meters, and I thought, I'd like one of these, because you know I need to get fitter, I need to win more races, I need to do better. Um, but I didn't like any of the ones that I saw. So I thought, you know, I got too many bikes, I want one that's not on the bike, that's, that's on me. So myself and my partner at that time came up with this idea. We started work on it, and uh, that was quite a while ago, and we're here now. How long has it been in development? You really want me to answer that? <laughs> you know, you're only 25 years old. Uh, I've been at this for six years, full time. I left my job six years ago. What's your background? My background is, uh, I'm uh, going way, way back. I'm an electronics engineer. Um, I've worked in the uh, sensors industry on electronics and software for sensors and things. And then I was, uh, I went into a university for almost 20 years and I worked there. Uh, so around the time this idea came up, I was finding that in the university, I was getting to do less and less engineering. I was doing more and more desk work. I thought, nah, you know, on balance here, when I look at these two things, you know, doing next semester's timetables or designing a power meter. Well, with my family's support, I left the job. And the nice thing for people to know is that, you know, you're not just some guy who had an idea. You're an expert in the field of sensor technology. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, I've been working with sensors all my life of various kinds, of various kinds. Now, what about durability, right? Because we've got the, the sensors on the, on the cleat. We've got the pods on the top of the shoe. Um, let's talk about temperature and, and moisture and those sorts of things. Well, moisture, we're based in Ireland. <laughs> what, what can I say, right? There's a reason it's green. Well, yeah, yeah. So this thing is waterproof. We've been using prototypes of this for oh, various types of prototypes for up three years or more. We've been writing different ones, and we've developed the the uh, the waterproofness, the the temperature, the the durability, the robustness of it as we've gone. And it's by the way, it has been crash tested unintentionally, but it has been crash tested. Are you okay? Well, I was fine. Yeah, I actually. Well, if you can get up from a crash and start shouting at the guy who caused it, then you're okay. Um, it's rechargeable batteries in the pods. What kind of a life will you get, and how do they get recharged? Battery life is up to 15 hours. Um, recharging, you just use the charging cradle that comes with it. It's a USB-powered thing. You just take the, um, the little pods off the top of your shoe. They click out. You click them into the charger. They charge in under two hours, between one and a half to two hours from empty. You can also use the charging cradle if you connect the, it's, a, it's USB powered so you can, you can power it from any USB source. But if you, if you connect it to your PC and you load up our special PC uh, update firmware, then when you put your pods into the charging cradle, our software goes online to our database, finds out if there's an upgrade that'll fit your pods, 
tells you what's there and gives you the opportunity to update your pods. That means that, that you will get, as we release new features, you can put them in your pods and you've got them. Um, six years in development, now being released, when are they available to the general public? First batch will be in October. But we've got a, a pre-order list of about, uh, at this point, close to two and a half thousand people. So they've been with us, some of them, for two years. And they've been very patient, very supportive. They've meant a lot to us, so we look after them. They're the first people that will get this. Once it's available, how much will it cost? $999. Where will people be able to buy it? Online on our website is the, at the moment. And they, at, right now, if, you, if you're thinking that you might want to buy one of these, the thing to do is go to our website and add yourself to our pre-order list. www.brimbrothers.com. Now, at the moment, it's for the Speedplay Zero. What are future plans? Well, in future, we're obviously going to start developing uh, units or versions for other pedal and cleat types. We haven't quite yet decided which one will come next. We have a good idea, but we're not actually saying. We're not making any promises yet, but we, we will do that. We will do that. Last, I, I want to ask you um, just quickly about accuracy. One of the things people always ask is, uh, how does it compare to brand X or brand Z? Uh, what do you tell people? Well, uh, uh, the, the specification, the target for this is plus or minus 2%, same as everybody else. Right now, um, we're not quite there. We've got some software issues that we were dealing with right now, and over the next couple of weeks, we'll do that, and we'll get there. Uh, and we will be releasing units for tests, so we're going to release this, and people can go, or the reviewers can go compare it to whatever they've got to compare it to, so everybody will know that it works before they get one. But you mentioned a few moments ago about firmware releases, and so the nice thing is, is that as you tweak the, the calculations and the algorithms, uh, even if you buy in the first release, every time there's a firmware upgrade, you'll, you'll get that improvement, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So if we find some issue in when, the, uh, when it's after it's, it's been released, we can fix it, and you get the fix. Sounds really good. Tell everybody again where they can get more information. <laughs> www.brimbrothers.com. Excellent. Barry, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. An interesting product and a company that in this episode of the Fredcast is representing the other power meters out there on the market. That is Brim Brothers and their Zone Power Meter. And that's a taste of Interbike 2014. It was a very huge show. Unfortunately, I was only able to be there for two days and it flew by. There was just so uh, much to see and so many uh, people to talk to. But I wanted to give you that taste and give you uh, an, an individual example from each of those categories that I know Fredcast listeners find interesting uh, to give you just a taste of Interbike 2014. Uh, an interesting show. Uh, and if you have the opportunity, I know that they are encouraging consumers to come to the show every year. It's usually the last day of the show. And I would, I would strongly encourage you, if you have the opportunity, get yourself to Vegas. Uh, I know that you will enjoy it. You'll find it very interesting. Uh, and uh, if you do go, let me know what you think. Or if you're going, let me know. It'd be great to see you there next year. All right, one more thing that I do want to bring to you today. Unfortunately, there has been a product recall since the last time we spoke here on the Fredcast. This one came out September 3rd, uh, and this concerns Orbea bicycles, specifically the Avant, A-V-A-N-T, model bike. And the problem here is that the bike front fork can crack, 
thereby posing a fall hazard. Not a lot of bikes involved here, but certainly still worth mentioning. There are 715 bicycles mentioned here. They were sold through Orbea retailers nationwide from August 2013 to June 2014 for about $1,200 to $9,000. And these, again, are Avant bicycles. So if you've got an Orbea Avant, go ahead and check it out. Uh, I will have a link in the show notes to the full Consumer Product Safety Commission recall, but I wanted to bring that to you so that you had the information as soon as we produced this episode of the Fredcast. And before we go, once again, I want to thank our show sponsor, Jensen USA at jensenusa.com slash the Fredcast. Go there anytime you need something for cycling or your cycling lifestyle. You're going to find a great selection, incredible prices, and unparalleled customer service at www.jensen.com slash the Fredcast or go to thefredcast.com and click the Jensen USA link on the right-hand side of the page. Hey, don't forget, if you want to stay in touch with the Fredcast, there's a number of ways that you can do that. Of course, you can always go to our website at www.thefredcast.com. You can send an email to thefredcast at gmail.com. You can stay in touch on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash thefredcast. Or you can follow along on Twitter where the handle is simply Fredcast. If you'd like to use our listener hotline to send a voicemail, please do so. That's area code 661-513-FRED. That's 661-513-3733. Or on any page on thefredcast.com on the right-hand side, there's a little microphone. It says send a voice message. You can just use the microphone and speakers on your computer to send me a voice message that way as well. So I think that that works really well. Lots of ways to stay in touch with the Fredcast. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fredcast. I really want to thank you for listening and thank you for staying subscribed to the Fredcast Cycling Podcast. Please continue to tell your friends and cycling buddies about the Fredcast so that they too can start listening and get more information out of the show. Oh, by the way, before we go, I still do have... Uh, a number of Fred, Team Fredcast socks available for sale. So if you're interested, please go to our website. Uh, right on the right-hand side at the top of the page is the Fredcast store, or simply go to thefredcast.com slash store and place your order today. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fredcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Between this show and the next, enjoy the ride.